hope you survived the water crisis of 2018 pretty well. <laughs> um, my name is Simon Stokes. I'm the RUF campus minister here. I want to say, especially if this is your first time visiting with us tonight, um, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, I know it's late in the game in terms of the semester, um, but we really hope that this is a, a place where you can find community, where you can find friendships, where you can find people that are really real and honest about who they are, uh, about who God is, that that's kind of what we're always trying to do and be, is people who are actually known and loved um, by Christ and by one another. That We actually believe that's part of the power of the gospel, is it's both grace and truth, um, which means that it's the best place for community and friendship, and we really hope that this would be a place where you could find that. Um, if you don't know, this semester we're going through the book of Psalms, and obviously we can't do all the Psalms, there's 150 Psalms, so we don't have that many weeks in the semester. But uh, tonight, I want to talk about Psalm 88, and it's the psalm that a lot of times is kind of thought of as the kind of the depression psalm. Um, it, I don't really want to talk a little bit about depression tonight, um, because that, to be honest, that was a big part of my college experience. I was depressed for like the last two years of college, and then like another year and a half after college. I've had lots of friends who are depressed. People are chronically depressed in my life. And I just, I really care a lot about this, um, and I know that that's a big problem um, on our campus, especially as we get towards the end of the year and kind of feel the crunch of midterms or we feel uh, the sense of, man, where are my people and who are my people? Um, that a lot of times that dark dog of depression can kind of seem like it follows us around. And so I want to do this psalm tonight with y'all and live into some of the unresolved tensions of that because um, it's something that I really care about and I think it's actually something that y'all probably really care about too. That if you're not depressed... Um, there's a good chance you know someone who is. And maybe this could be helpful for y'all. Uh, I also want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, a good chunk of this, uh, the way that I've thought about this sermon, is actually from a guy named Brian Habig, who is a far better preacher than me, and I doubt he would ever hear this message online, but um, I do want to kind of footnote that. I don't normally um, listen to other people's sermons and things like that to kind of take ideas or help me think about it, but this is such an important one that I, I did want to, kind of delve into someone else. Um, I'm not a musical person at all. I played alto saxophone in the sixth grade, but when I found out that I wasn't getting any girls that way, I dropped it. <laughs> uh, I'm, so I'm not a very musical person at all, but from what I understand of it, uh, in music there's this thing called chord progression, uh, which I, I think I'm saying this right. But it's basically the idea that as, a, as musical notes go along, they fit together in a right pattern, and you really want that pattern of chords to resolve in the right way. So like, think about like jingle bells. It's like ding, 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 right? Like you want that last ding because if it goes ding, 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 nothing, right? In your head, you're like, come on, finish it, ding. Like you need the pattern to resolve. Like we need the chords to kind of come together and end in some way. When we read the psalm, it sounds a lot like a song that doesn't resolve. It ends with, darkness is my only companion, or darkness is my only friend. Old Testament scholars have said about this psalm, it's the most despondent psalm in the whole collection of psalms. No, there's no other sadder psalm in the psalms. There's other sad psalms, but this is the one that doesn't resolve. The tensions in it kind of remain. And... You know, if this was written by an American, like, we would resolve it. We'd say, you know, darkness is my only friend, but things will get better at the end. And, like, 
this person didn't do that. Which I think is actually really helpful for us. Because for some of us who are wrestling with the experience of living life in a fallen world, things don't always resolve. There's not always an easy answer to why we hurt or why we suffer. I mean, you can lose things you never thought you'd lose. You can be sad about things you never thought you were going to be sad about. And you can wonder why. And you don't always get a why. That if God is in control of things, and He's sovereign, He knows all things, and He's in charge of everything, and He loves me, why does my life look and feel the way that it looks? And there's sometimes just not a resolution to that. And this psalm is so helpful for us because it actually gives tension, or gives voice to that tension of there's no resolution here. I don't always feel a resolution in my life. Do you think we need to hear at times? Because I think that's actually a really honest place for people to be. So tonight I want to look at three things in the psalm. I want to look at the honesty of this psalm. I want to look at the surprise of this psalm. I want to look at the community of this psalm. The honesty, the surprise, and the community of this psalm. So this is Psalm 88. It's a mascal. No one knows what a mascal is, but it's probably a musical thing. A mascal of Haman, the Ezraite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You've caused my companions to shun me, You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. It's God's word. Let me pray for us. Father, we do pray that you would help us to enter into this psalm and into your word. And into the experience of life in a fallen world as fallen people. God, with you. Lord, we know that we couldn't do this on our own. It's too scary. It's too much. It feels like too much anxiety. It feels like real terror to us. It feels so lonely. God, be with us in this. Walk with us through it. God, I pray that if we're depressed, that you would use us in some way to comfort us or to lead us out of that. 
not with easy answers, but with yourself and with one another. Lord Jesus, give us what we need tonight to see you and to know you as a good and powerful and true Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. So what's the honesty of this psalm as we get going in this? What's the honesty? The first thing that this guy is really honest about is he says, I feel more dead than I feel alive. I mean, think about what had the starts. Verse 3, for my soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol. Sheol was like the realm of the dead. Verse 5, like one set loose among the dead. He's talking about the sense that you might get if you're depressed and you're around people and they're happy and they're having fun and you feel just completely depleted. I mean, you might as well be a ghost haunting the living. You're around them, but you're not able to participate in the same kind of life that they're participating in. He's saying, I feel like I'm wandering around by myself in the regions of the dead and I'm cut off and I'm covered by darkness. Living people cannot help me. Living people can't even touch me. Verse 6, you've put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. In all honesty, he's just saying, I'm covered by sorrow. I'm covered by sadness. It's, I'm so covered by those things. I'm covered like the, by them like someone at the bottom of a pool is covered by water. You'll know you're there when you're talking to a friend and they're like shooting encouraging words and fun stories and kind things at you just as much as they can. And those stories and words are just ricocheting off you like bullets from Superman. Like, ping, ping, ping. Like, remember that fun thing you said that one time that was so funny? Ping! Right? Like, <laughs> things are going to turn around. That's right. <laughs> things are going to... I've got to have some humor in this, all right? <laughs> things are going to turn around for you. Like, you've got this. I think you... I know that you're smart enough. I know you're capable enough to do this. Ping! You are too good for them anyway. There's other people out there. You'll find the right one. Ping! Like, and it's like, you're cut off from those people. And nothing they can say to you will make it feel better. You're just under this thing. You're wrapped up in, in it. It's kind of like he goes on to say, your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. Like totally overwhelmed. Completely under this thing. I mean, there's a lot of kind of trite Christian expressions out there. There's many, many of these. Uh, but there's one I haven't heard in a long time, but it's still kind of around. And people have said it to me before, and it's, I've probably said it to other people. I'm that kind of person. Uh, (laughs) Or people will say something like, God will never give you more than you can handle. Which is such a nice sentiment. But by almost everyone's experience, is just not true. I mean, you can handle... This person's talking about being overwhelmed. You can handle being in a bathtub. If you can swim, you can handle being in a pool. What depression feels like, what this guy's talking about, it's like it's if you're in an ocean... In a hurricane. It's like if you're staying on a beach and there's a tsunami coming at you. Like you're completely overwhelmed. You cannot handle that. Like that's what this person is talking about. Someone once described to me like this You wake up every day and you open your eyes in bed and you're like, I wish that I could just go back to that. Because then I don't have to feel any of these garbage emotions anymore. And I just have these thoughts of sadness 
of depression, of anxiety that's just covering me. And it makes me you not want to do anything. It makes you not able to find joy in anything. It makes you want to sit in your room in the dark and fail classes and just be by yourself. You're just completely overwhelmed. You're blanketed in sadness. He's asking really honest questions too, kind of rhetorical questions. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Oh, okay, God, is the big on-campus worship service in that old cemetery across the street from Hooker Fields? No. Like, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Just from the standpoint of being somebody made in your image, you made me to know you. And I want to know you. I want to be present with you and be with you. And it doesn't feel like you're giving that to me. In fact, it feels like you're far away. I mean, in all honesty, have you ever felt this way? Have you ever let yourself feel this way? Sometimes, you know, you can connect the dots to why you're hurting. Like, I did this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And sometimes there are just not any easy answers for why our pain just goes unresolved. And the Bible, in all honesty, doesn't try to hide that. It actually gives us words to live honestly into that unresolved tension and say, I know you can't always speak that. I know you don't always know exactly what you're feeling. But you feel it. And here's some words to step into that and let yourself feel some of these things with God, with other people. It's a brutally honest book. Because we need to be really honest about what life is like in a fallen world as fallen people. So if that's the honesty of the psalm, what's the surprise of the psalm? There's two things in tension here. The first is, God, what I'm going through, you caused it. Verse 6 says, you have put me in the depths of the pit. Verse 8 says, you have, you have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. On the one hand, he just said, God, you've caused all these things that are hurting me to hurt me. Like, you're in charge. You are God. There's nobody else up there. You're the one, and you've let this happen to me. But on the other hand, what's the surprise? Does this guy say, and I'm done with you? Like, lots of movies, lots of books, lots of stories, and songs go that way. Now, the surprise is, day and night I call out for you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. God, you're hurting me, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up early in the morning. I'm just going to agonize before you. I'm going to pray this stuff out to you. Because you're the only one that can resolve this for me. The surprise here is that there's this extreme honesty and this extreme reverence. Does the psalm try to resolve that? No. It just gives you words to live into that tension. Look, the Bible never asks you to pretend. The Bible is utterly realistic about how sad life can be. The Bible is not a book for people who can't deal with reality. The Bible is a book for people who must deal with reality. It's telling you how to live into reality, even when it doesn't make a lot of sense of your immediate perception of things. Because here's the thing. If you get rid of either one of those things, of the honesty or the reverence, you become really unhealthy. Like, your approach to reality just gets really skewed. Look, if you have honesty without reverence, 
you kind of become mean and snarky. You become really cynical. You know, this is just the way life is. Of course things would fall apart like they do. This is how God is. He's just that kind of God. I mean, it becomes blasphemous, right? There's some Christians who kind of take the stance of, I'm going to show you how real and raw I can be. I will be so provocative and so brave. I'm really going to show you what's behind the curtain and how messy life can be. I'm just going to, I'm going to make you look at that. It can be some of our stances when we lose the reverence but keep the honesty. And what I found is that usually when that happens, it's not like other Christians are saying, oh, oh, wow, thank you. Like this whole time, I've been living in a J. Crew catalog. But what you're saying is that life is messy and hard and it hurts sometimes. <laughs> thank you. Wow. Thank you for showing me that. I didn't know that. Thanks. Like, that's not that effective, right? Usually what that is, is just a mask for pain and how angry we are. On the other hand, though, if you have reverence without honesty, it does sort of start to sound like happy, clappy Christianity. I mean, it sounds shallow. It doesn't smell real or look real. It doesn't look and feel like you're actually living in reality. Like, it's kind of think about this. It's like the movie Elf, when Will Ferrell meets the fake department store Santa, and he's going crazy and jumping. He's like, it's Santa, it's Santa, it's Santa. And then he goes up to the department store Santa and takes a whiff and says, you don't smell like Santa. You smell like beef and cheese. Right? <laughs> like, when, you're, when you're always in the mode of, you know, God is just pouring blessings into my life. Look how happy he's made me. Look how he's always giving me good things. But only in private do you go, but I don't know why he lets me be so sad. God is just the absolute best. He just blesses me all the time. And we're so close and everything is great. But in private you go, but I don't know why I feel so cut off from the people around me. I don't know why that is. And I just don't see how things are going to get better. That when you do that, it just smells like beef and cheese. It doesn't smell real. It doesn't look real. It doesn't feel real. For Christianity to be the real thing, it's got to have both honesty and reverence. And for those of us who feel sad or who feel depressed, the loveliness of a psalm that is so dark and unlovely is that it cuts against that cynicism that we can fall into and it goes against the happy, clappy, everything is fine, I'm doing great, that we can fall into. It actually gives us words to ask hard questions and doesn't try to fix it, fix it with easy answers. It says, I, I suffer your tears. I'm helpless. And it gives us words to say at the same time with great reverence. O oh Lord, God of my salvation. I cry out to you day and night. <clears throat> and isn't that surprising? Isn't that amazing? What's the community that Haman is talking about here? I mean, if you think about it, this is like the most painful journal entry ever. I mean, this is some real guy's real experience. I mean, he wrote it into poetry, but this was something private to him. And then it becomes a worship song. It becomes the praise chorus for the community of God's people. I mean, think about what that means. It means that 
we don't just have permission to speak about our pain with one another and with God. But God actually gives us the tools to speak about our real pain. Not to be flippant or blasphemous and irreverent. Not to be happy, clappy Christianity. But like, the real way to approach this. This is a psalm, which means it's a song. I mean, it's possible to praise God and worship God even in our sadness. Like, even through our sadness and with our sadness. That God actually invites you into that as a community of people. Like, think about what this would mean for our community groups. You know, if you haven't done a community group, I want to say, I think that's one of the best parts about RUF. Like, this is great. That's like the backbone of what we're about. But say that somebody who's other than a Christian goes to one of these groups and visits it with the hope that, you know, with all of our problems and all of our faults, that this is really a group of people who are trying to walk through life together and eat and pray and hang out and go to basketball games. What do you think the vibe of that group would be if that person walked in there and someone prayed, Father, we love you and we adore you, but your assaults are crushing our friend. Like, what would the vibe be for that person? I think it would be really honest and true and reverent. Look, if the Bible is real and true, then it is so 24 hours a day. It is so in panic attacks. It is so in deep depression. It is so when you don't know what's going on. It's true enough to shape us into the kind of people who are not trying to scoot sadness out the door and pretend that it's not there. If the Bible is true, then it's true enough to let people be sad and to not have easy answers for that sadness, but can actually help us to enter deeply into that sadness and through it enter deeply into the life of community with God and His people. Because y'all, the reality is is that the center of this community is a man. That these prayers, this psalm even, was, were Jesus' prayers. That Jesus grew up praying and singing the psalms in the synagogue. That the gospel said that he often withdraw to lonely places to pray. What do you think those prayers sounded like? Hebrews 5.7 says that in days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. That Jesus did not come in untouchable like a superhero and say, so that I too will have the full experience of being human I will sing these songs. Like Jesus comes in and he feels them too. He feels this psalm. I mean, for those of you who feel blanketed by sadness and who resonate with the, what the writer of the psalm is saying, like, I'm in the pit and no living person can come down into the pit with me. I'm covered by this. It feels like everyone else is gone and only darkness is my friend. If that's you, it feels like you, like you have this unresolved cord hanging over you, and it just grates on you. How is God going to resolve that cord? Now, I got her story about a young woman who was dating a guy, and they were kind of like hipsters or whatever, and <laughs> whatever applied to hipsters is the most hipster thing. <laughs> 
But she was dating this guy, and they were, they kind of got into the ironic kind of singing back and forth to one another of, you probably don't know who this is, but Phil Collins, he was an 80s pop star. Very famous for singing, like, super cheesy love songs. And they started to sing ironically back and forth to one another Phil Collins songs. And after a while, it actually became their songs, as those things are likely to happen. And things on her end seemed to be going great, and it was incredible, and she was falling head over heels. But one New Year's night, this guy that she's dating breaks up with her out of the blue. Like, she has no idea it's coming, no speech prepared, just kind of wham, like right from the sidelines. And she is so caught off guard by this breakup that as he's walking away from her, as he's broken up with her, she starts to sing Phil Collins' lyrics at him. Like, she has no other words for it. Like, how can I just let you walk away? Leave without a trace. Take a look at me now. Like, literally, like, that's what she starts to do. And she says that as she works through this breakup, she comes to realize that as she's crying on her bedroom floor, or she's crying in the line to check out at the grocery store, or she's crying as she's listening to Phil Collins, that like 80% of all breakup songs, or of all songs are kind of breakup songs. And eventually, she decides to write her own breakup song to kind of get over it. And because this is a podcast, somehow she has a connection to the master himself, to Phil Collins. And she, yeah, I know, someone connected them. It's amazing. And so she gets to talk to Phil Collins on the phone and sing her breakup song to him. And then he is talking back to her about breakup songs that he wrote that were like smash hits. And as they're talking, there's this moment of connection where he's sharing with her, I wrote this song when I was going through a divorce, and my heart was broken too. And you can hear this connection between them. Like, he gets it. Like, Phil Collins gets what it's like to have his heart broken too. They could sing the same song. I mean, have you ever thought about that when God writes himself into the history of the world, that he gives himself a sad story? Like, his story ends at the cross. Like, Joseph, his earthly father, was by all accounts a great guy. It seems like he dies somewhere along the way when Jesus is probably like a teenager. His friends, who Jesus spends a ton of time with, betray him and run from him. His people reject him and kill him. Why is it that when God writes himself into the story of the world, he gives himself a sad story? Why are Jesus' last words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which, by the way, is another sad psalm. Why is that the case? So that God could sing your song. I will come down into the pit with you. And I will pray the same things with you. Not only do we read the Psalms with all the other people who have prayed these Psalms before us. But we read these Psalms with Jesus. Who not only on the cross bears the weight of our sins and dies for us. Which if that was all he did would be more than enough. But on the cross, he actually sings our song. And he feels the weight of your sadness. The only resolution to a life that doesn't have easy answers 
It's not an easy answer, but it's a person. It's God entering into your story, entering into your life and saying, I'll sing that song with you. I'll be sad with you. I mean, some of y'all have had terrible years. Some of y'all have had terrible things happen to you. There aren't easy answers for that. But there is a person. There's Jesus who prays and sings this song with us. And he's done so so that we one day as a community would never have to sing a song like this again. So that we'd be free from depression and sadness and heartbreak. He takes that on himself so he can free us from it one day. Jesus sings this psalm so that we won't ever have to sing it again. And that's our offer to you in RUF. That's our hope for you in sadness and unresolvable tensions in life. That's our offer to you as a person, as a Christian. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, you give us what we need in Jesus. You make us whole. You give us yourself. God, you don't give us easy answers. But Lord, you give us grace and you give us truth. Lord, send out your light in our life so that even if we're in the pit, we would look up and see some hope and some promise of your presence with us. Lord, if we're here and we're really hurting tonight, I pray that you would help us to speak that honestly to you and to one another. God, that we would be able to live into that unresolved tension with one another and that we wouldn't be a community of people who kind of scoot sadness out the door or scoot hurt out the door, but Lord, that we would enter into it with each other and do things that are required of us to be, really be friends and to be people who actually love our neighbors. God, we know that in ourselves we don't have that, but we pray that you would give it to us through your son Jesus and through your spirit. We ask this all in his name. Amen. Thank you.